Okay, well, thanks so much, Beachy. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen him in jeans and joggers, if you just head to Instagram at North Lake Salvos, you'll see it in, in his prime and glory on there. Jeans, joggers, the full works. Who does do that? Um, but if you are just joining us now, uh, for the first couple of, uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about um, the Beatitudes and we've been talking about this upside down kingdom of heaven. And I feel like that's a phrase that can be maybe easily spoken or easily said in passing conversation, but maybe a bit trickier to understand. And um, I don't really know if it's maybe just because we've been playing a lot of Nintendo over isolation, but um, there's kind of this analogy that I use in Super Mario that um, helps me to understand this idea of, um, of the upside down kingdom. So bear with me. Uh, it's obscure, but it's kind of like annoying how many Mario references actually help me understand really kind of complex issues that the Bible kind of brings up. So <laughs> bear with me as we go. But I kind of just imagine this like level on Mario or like I imagine these two kingdoms that are kind of one is on the roof and one is on the ground. And um, the one that's on the top is this kingdom of light, right? And it's kind of like this stereotypical how we would imagine heaven, like light and beautiful and clouds and peaceful. And then the one at the bottom is kind of dark and ominous and gray and, you know, everything's kind of decayed away and is scary and frightening to be on. Um, and the more I kind of like see and live in and like observe the world that we live in, uh, I'm more convinced that this is the kingdom that we actually live in. And um, the Bible talks about us living in a time where kingdom reigns. Uh, but I feel like when we kind of understand that there are two kingdoms parallel, unable to touch each other, but you can kind of get a glimpse from both. That's when we understand that this is not our home, but our home is in the highest, highest heavens. And um, when you kind of think about it like that, you think about the kingdom in which we dwell in this land. Uh, this isn't a place where we should be looking around for wisdom or looking for understanding or even expect to be able to experience true love and true peace and true joy um, because it just is not the kind of world that would foster something like that. Um, it doesn't make sense that those things would prosper here because we live in a world that fosters greed and selfishness and pride and gluttony. We can kind of like see glimpses of good in people and we can see glimpses of good in our world and throughout our day. But um, that is more or less like us just trying to recreate or grasp parts of heaven um, to fit into our own understanding. And so when people say that we live in a broken world, I really believe that this is it because we live in a world where injustice is everywhere, where ignorance is almost just a coping mechanism for us, where relationships break down, where hope is lost, where pain is felt in um, the deepest of places. And there doesn't seem to be much of a consolation in this kingdom in which we dwell. And this isn't the kingdom of light. And we, um, are exploring this upside down kingdom to encourage you church that there we are made for more we are not made to be um we are not made to be uh belonging in this world we are made to be um in the world and not of it um and so you know along this kind of like level there's a part where jesus came down from his own kingdom and if i could do sound effects better or if i could do you know effects better like probably jack could you know, he comes down in this like beam of light or like one of those vines that is in Mario that, 
you know, any analogy works in Mario. It's the best. But he comes down, he leaves his own perfect union with the Father to be the light of our world. And for the first time in darkness, true light has come into this kingdom. And so Jesus lived as a human and he was baptized when he was around 30, which is kind of when the world or his followers started to see him as the true light and started to see the true kind of um, glimpses of heaven within him. And it's at the start of his ministry, just after he got baptized, that we read of the Beatitudes. Uh, and the Beatitudes are found in um, amongst one of his sermons called the Sermon on the Mount. And um, this speech or this sermon kind of acts as his inaugural address to his uh, to his followers and um, an inaugural address. It's a hard one to say, but uh, is something that a king or a queen uh, would always address to their people at the start of their reign to kind of um, inform them of their expectations or their intentions as a leader. Um, but this was an was a address or an inaugural speech that the people of Jesus' time had never heard before. This is where Jesus is teaching. Um, concepts and mindsets that challenge everything that we thought we knew about the normal world order. Throughout his ministry and throughout this sermon, Jesus says that blessed are the poor, blessed are those who are persecuted. We must die in order to live. The least is the greatest, the last is first. All these kind of statements that we cannot even fathom when we have an understanding, the finite understanding of the kingdom in which we live, which is earth and history and time and you know, the world where we're in. Um, but this is the start of where we see Jesus um, really outwork where he says here at his, as it is in heaven. He's bringing um, heaven to earth and heaven into our lives and heaven into uh, this time. Um, and so this week, so I think that we've been going for a few weeks now, but this week we're reading from Matthew 5 verse 5 and we read, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. And uh, when we got given this kind of topic a few weeks ago, I was like cheering because I had recently studied the Beatitudes and I was like, no problem. I can just go to my study notes and have a read and just kind of copy and paste it over. But uh, when I opened up my notebook, this was the only verse that I had missed because I really just didn't understand it or, at all. So absolutely no shame if blessed are the meek means no, makes no sense to you, but just stay with me. We'll get through it. But meek isn't a term that you would kind of hear in passing conversation or that you would use to describe something maybe in everyday life. Um, and in fact, meek as a word, as it's used in this part of the Bible, is actually really tricky to understand properly. But um, maybe conversationally, you could sub, um, substitute it for gentleness or submissiveness or softness. Um, and I feel like when you think about those words and then you think about us applying that into everyday life, they're not necessarily words that we would want uh, to be associated with ourselves or, you know, someone looks at you and thinks, oh, he's so soft. Like, I feel like just generally in our mind, that's not a great connotation, especially when we live in this world that wants to build leaders and build strength and is kind of um, wants to build courage and bravery in all of us. That's what we're being raised to be. And suddenly we kind of see this term meek as softness and gentleness and submissiveness. And it's easy for us to just want to turn away and just leave it there. But I actually laughed when I read it in the online dictionary. The sentence, it uses it in a sentence and the sentence says, 
All his best friends make fun of him for his meekness. And I just thought, well, if the online dictionary is even like laughing at us, then why or how would we want to move forward with this trait uh, as Jesus followers in 2020 in this crazy radical world? Why would we want to move forward with a trait like that? Well, instead of softness and gentleness and submissiveness, a better way to actually describe meekness is as strength under control. And that is what Jesus is calling us to be here. He's calling us to know the strength that we have from God, but yet to keep it under control. Does that kind of mean that all Christians should be pushovers or standing on the sideline and just letting the world go by until heaven comes down? No. Meekness should never be confused with weakness. Jesus was meek and yet he spoke out boldly. He took, stand, he took a stand against injustice and advocated for the marginalized. He had tricky conversations, he was an assertive leader, and he didn't conform to the culture of this time. And all of this he did without being aggressive or insulting or domineering, which are traits that we kind of usually in our mind associate with this immense strength or strength according to our worldly understanding of them. And I feel like... Um, that creates the first idea of this contrast and the ultimate um, example of the contrast of what strength is between these two kingdoms is found when Jesus is actually led to the cross. Here we see, you know, Roman soldiers who were the epitome of worldly strength. And here they were beating and mocking and torturing an innocent man. They were in a position where they had to fight for their strength. They had to make sure they were on top. They had to make sure that everybody knew that they were in control, that they were the ones not to mess with. And it's so easy to think of them and think, yeah, they're strong people. I would, be, I would feel like if anyone is going to take over the world and inherit the earth, it would be that kind of people. Yet in contrast, here was Jesus a man who claimed to be the son of God and he was suffering without argument, without challenge or threat. I feel like it's mind-blowing that there was no, you just wait and see from Jesus when he was on the cross. You just wait and see what what my father's going to do kind of attitude from Jesus. But he knew the strength of his father and yet he kept it under control because he had the perspective that none of us could see. And what I really love about this idea is that what Jesus did on the cross made absolutely no sense to absolutely anybody. From every single angle that we look at what he did on the cross, it seemed like a failure. He had friends there, he had family there, he had enemies there all watching him, all waiting to see what would happen to the great son of God, the great king of the Jews. And from every single angle, it would have just seemed like an absolute failure. From all angles except for one. From the, from the perspective that comes from above. And this moment of on the cross, when the world stood still and darkness overcame it, darkness thought that it had won. We thought that he had failed, and yet the meekness of Jesus persevered beyond what our human understanding could ever comprehend. And this was Jesus bringing that true light into a land of darkness. And feel like this is the attitude and this is the standpoint that we need to face every day as we face adversity. While it makes absolutely no sense from absolutely no angle for us to continue forgiving, continue being generous, to continue showing kindness and continuing putting others before ourselves, 
it makes sense from the kingdom of heaven that we are bringing the light of heaven into this world of darkness. And then I think another thing worth mentioning is calling out a little voice that I know that we all have. Some may battle more than others, me. But when I see Jesus hanging on the cross, he's beaten and he's bruised. And the more I meditate on those scriptures and the more I hear his pain and um, know of his weeping, I hear myself think, surely there was another way. God, Jesus is the son of God. You have the power of literally the whole universe on your side. And yet you're still letting this happen. Surely there was another way. But I want to bring to attention here that that is not the, the voice of God in this story. In fact, a few chapters earlier, we hear this same voice that speaks to me, that speaks to us, that can speak to to each of us in our individual circumstances. We see it appear to Jesus as he fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. In Matthew 4, verse 1 to 11, he said, Since you are God's son, speak the word that will turn these stones into loaves of bread. Or in other words, the devil saying to him, You don't have to fast. You must be hungry. Surely there's another way. You're the son of God. Instant gratification will be better than the original plan you had. And this voice has been weaved throughout time. And it may appear to challenge our own meekness by saying, yelling at that person will actually make you feel better. Or if you just get it out of your system, you'll be able to get over it. Or, you know what? You actually shouldn't let that go. You have the right to be angry about that. Or you need to earn some respect around here. This is all the same voice that appears throughout the Bible weaved in and out of every story. And we see it first appear in Genesis when the devil first tempts Eve in the Garden of Eden. And the devil says in the same cunning way, he says, oh, you sure you can't eat this fruit? Think you've got it wrong because I feel like God would actually not want to put you through this. He would want you to have it. He's just trying to withhold something amazing from you. And right there is the moment that these two worlds got flipped. The kingdoms got reversed and we fell from perfect unity with the Father and into the kingdom in which darkness reigns. Humanity is stuck in this this alternate kingdom and rightly so. Yet our good Father sent a lifeline in a position where we couldn't earn and we couldn't fight for our own salvation. He sent a lifeline down. The world didn't just get spun back around, but... Like I said before, this kind of vine was extended down and he's the vine that provides an access point back to the Father, not through our righteousness, but through his. Jesus says that no one can access the Father except through me. We can never earn our way upwards. upwards. We cannot fight our way to peace, but we take it back to the cross and we cling to our Savior who has offered us the ultimate lifeline. Jesus says that I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And as Christians, we cannot have both feet. We cannot have feet in both camps. We are either clinging to the cross, attached to the vine. We are holding our hope in Jesus with our eyes fixed on the kingdom of heaven, believing that when we align ourselves with the kingdom of heaven, then light will be shed in the darkest world. We are either in that camp or we are not. The cross brought hope to our world and has left us with the Holy Spirit. And this is the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead three days later. And the same spirit is alive in us. 
That same spirit that God left us has not left us with a spirit of fear, but one of love and power and sound mind. And those three elements, the love, the power and sound mind is what makes up meekness. And so more, the more of the spirit that you have in you and the closer you cling to Jesus, the easier it is to be meek because the more of the heavenly perspective you have that makes things that come against you in your everyday life insignificant compared to uh, the heavenward perspective when we fix our eyes on Jesus. Um, For every time this week, I'd like to encourage you, church, every time you're faced with a situation that is calling for strength, refrain from answering the the enemy's call of lashing out, the enemy's call to fight your own battles, but instead turn your eyes upward. See your circumstances from the unique heavenly perspective and commit to being the light in the world. Because for every time that you channel the spirit that resurrected Jesus, that brings light into the world, you bring that same spirit into your world. The the spirit that brings resurrection from um, arguments, from relationship breakdowns, from bad diagnosis. These are the situations where we're called to be meek, where we're called to change the stance of how a Christian is perceived, where we're called to go against the culture and not be within it. This is the this is the opportunity for us to point straight up to God and say, I do not belong in this kingdom. I belong to the highest heaven and I have been paid with the highest price. And that is that is um, the perfect example of meekness, is that Jesus came down with the ultimate strength of the entire universe. The creator was on his side and yet he still suffered. He was still tormented. He was still ridiculed. He was still betrayed by people he loved. And yet he looked at his calling and he looked at his purpose with heavenly perspective and pursued it with his whole heart. And they're the people that inherit the earth. They're the people who are redeemed to the kingdom of heaven and who will live in peace and prosperity with the Father for all the days to come. And that is a blessing that I would like to pray over you guys today. And if you have never known that the great vine has been extended from the upside down universe or kingdom, um, and you didn't know that the invitation was extended to you, I would like to, to tell you that none of us have earned our position as Christians. None of us have climbed our way to the top and thrown a rope down. It is only by the Father and it is only by His one only begotten Son who lived a perfect, blameless life and who died for the unrighteous so that we would be able to live in unity with the Father. That invitation is open to everyone, sinner or not. We live in this kingdom of darkness and so there is no option but for us to be have been born into sin. Uh, and so if you would like to pray with me, I would love to pray for you. Uh, and like Beachy said, if you need prayer for anything else through the week, even if it's for daily temptation, you just need to scroll down from the video type in the box and we will be in touch with you and we would love to stand alongside you as you um, explore and get challenged with and um, start living in the way of the Beatitudes and inside the Upside Down Kingdom. Lord, we're so thankful for the lifeline that you extended us. We're so thankful that we have a perspective that is greater than just what is available to us um, through this world, God. I pray for every single person who would just start to explore that part of them, God, whether they have known you for years and years or whether this is just something that they're thinking of now, Lord. I pray that you would just reveal to them that eternity-sized hole in their heart and that you would just um, 
give them a filling of your spirit, Lord, of power, of love, and of sound mind, and you would cast out all fear. Pray that we would be able to go forward in the smallest of moments this week, be able to see things that are challenging us and be able to discern your heavenly voice from the one that is from the evil one, Lord. I pray um, against words spoken against us. I pray that you would just start to transform us in the smallest of moments and that you would see us be faithful with the big ones, Lord. Pray that today a revelation of your um, love would transform us, a revelation of the salvation that we could never earn would transform us. And each time we open your word, God, I pray that you would minister to us with a sword that is double-edged, that is alive and active. Pray that you would teach us, train us, equip us and rebuke us, Lord. Search our heart, find what doesn't please you and take it out, Lord, so we can live more like you. We can be the light even more so in a dark world and we can point people straight up to Jesus, Lord. We thank you for the cross and for what it meant and that every time uh, we fall short, we find ourselves back at your feet, God, and what an honor that is. Um, and yeah, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just give a fresh anointing over each and every person watching this morning and that your word would always be alive in our lives. And we love you, Lord, and we pray in your precious, mighty, and saving name. Amen.